Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with a wonderful friend Healy of Travis. And it's a great chat and you're about to hear it, but... Before we do, uh, I should just say thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then once you've got to the end of this episode with Fran, then go and have a look in the archives because you'll find that there's over 200 episodes for you to have a, a rummage around in and you can hear me having chats with artists as diverse as Chuck D to Melanie C to James Lavelle to Maxine Peak, to, gosh, Chic. Um, oh, the list goes on. Go and have a, um, a, a, a good like, delve around in the archives and, uh, and see what you can find. And if you do really enjoy the podcast and you'd like even more, then I put up four shows um, each week, uh, radio shows where I play records and talk to them. And, yeah, there's loads of stuff that goes on over there, video episodes, and the place where you can access all of that and support the podcast uh, is my Patreon page, and that is patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track. Um, you can find out about everything, in fact, to do with this podcast at off the beaten track podcast.com. That's beat and track, not beaten. Off the beat and track podcast.com. Right, let's get back to uh, today's episode. You're in for a treat, people, and it gives me great pleasure to uh, say, please enjoy Off the beaten track podcast with Fran Healy. <laughs> Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, we are recording. Uh, joining me today via the means of Zoom, Fran Healy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, Fran, before we get on to your song choices, uh, I'm just going to ask you how you found the last uh, seven, eight months as both a human being and a creative. Uh-huh. Um, it's. Um... It's a weird time, you know, because uh, I'm living in America just now as well, and uh, it's, it's it's a bit of an it's just an odd time. Something something's definitely going on, and uh, you know you've got your pandemics and then this Trump thing, and then like just it's like the world is kind of like wobbling a little bit. Something weird is going on in the quantum level. Probably there's a quantum storm, and then um, and then all this weird shit happens in the in the visible, you know, <laughs> visible world. Probably, I've been watching too many physics videos while I've been in the lockdown. <laughs> oh, it's got to be better than watching a news feed, though, friend. That's the stuff that drives uh, your crackers. Well, you know, which leads to the other thing. You know, creatively speaking. It's never been. I've never done as much, made as much stuff as I as I have ever in in this time. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic was just as we finished the album. I came back to America, went into quarantine for fourteen days because, and this is before people were quarantining. They were, um, it was kind of advised. But so I I went in and did that, and while I was quarantining, this is kind of when we start to mix the album, master the album, then come out of quarantine, make the first video, animate it, then do the second video when it's slightly less of a lockdown, but still a pain in the arse. And just, you know, like 
all did all the artwork and all the stuff that goes with them when you finally feel a CD or a, or a bit of vinyl in your hands, you know, all the stuff that went with that um, was a home, was a home job this time. Yeah. Um, so it's been very, and, and, but my point is it, it kept me totally distracted from the news cycle because the news cycle is an echo chamber and it's, um, it can sometimes make you think that the world is about to explode. Yeah. When really, when really the world's just having a wobble. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important that, uh, people understand that and don't get caught up in them news feeds. I listen to like the way that my parents talk and it's just, they're immersed themselves in it and they've just, you know, completely swallowed every bit of kind of scaremongering and it's scary, man. It's, it's just, yeah, it's not healthy. You need to distance yourself from that sort of stuff. Have you seen the documentary? Um, I think it's called The Power of Nightmares. No. Right, it's, it's, it, look it up on, on um, it's a BBC thing from ages ago, um, maybe 10, 15 years ago. The same guy's done a couple of different um, TV shows. One is called Hypernormalization, which is by the same guy. Anyway, it talks about... Um, this uh, idea that, you know, we back in the 40s, 50s, we were sort of given this, fed this um, idea of making dreams come true and, and then as a, as a way for governments to control people. And then they realised, oh, wait a minute, we can scare people. If we can keep people scared, it's a really good way. It's a really um, good way to govern. And so that's that's why that exists. Yeah. It's a... It's a it's a technique to to like because you know we had religion way back thousands of years ago. Now that's not really. Then the governments took over, and it's it's just a a technique yeah. to control a lot of people. Fear is very you know potent. Anyway, let's talk records, friend. Woo-hoo. For track one, I'm going to ask you the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. The greatest ever intro. I mean, there's the, it, the thing. It's a brilliant question because no one really, no one really knows this. I mean, when we started working with Nigel Godrich, that's something I learned very quickly because the intro to a song, you know, it's, it's your front door, and you can, you should make something out of it. You, you don't just put up a. a you know, a bit of wood and whatever. You put a handle on it, a letter, you know, you paint it, whatever. So it's, it's important because that's how you enter the song. So we, we, we sort of get into that with, with Nigel. Like, if you listen to the beginning of Sing with this backwards tubular bell going... And, um, or if you listen to um, the beginning of um, um, Everything in Its Right Place... It's like that opening of an album. Yeah, it's it's actually it's interesting because the um, when you talk about the intro of a song, you can also talk about like the intro of an album because you got the you can get like the the intro like I say of the song, but when you're starting an album, like for instance, I think everything in its right place is the first mm-hmm. song in the album. Um, that's another good, you know, example. And but my favourite one is um, oh, I, I had thought of it and it went as soon as you asked it, it went out of my head. I had a good one, but there's so many. Um, I think I would say the beginning of Dancing Queen, the roll down of the piano, and it's it's if anyone's ever tried a roll down of a piano, it's really hard to get an even. Yeah an even one and if the whole song is contained in that roll down yeah everything about that song is it's the so for me that's the one of the perfect intros there's loads but that's um and it's it's perfect it's so short as well it's like about a half second long it's a glorious record as well isn't it it's just oh. pure joy that record yeah, I know. The world needs a bit a bit of ABBA right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you, you touched on Sing and, and, and working with Nigel. I just want to ask you, in the way that 
how you've approached songwriting and how it may have changed in so far as when, you know, in the early days of Travis, the way that people listen to music is far different to how people listen to music now. In, when I say that, I mean in regards to what, how with they, the years. Well, <laughs> you know, in regards to like obviously back then, people were buying CDs, people were buying vinyl, cassettes, and that yeah. as streaming, and it would appear in certain places and and certain people attention spans seem to be maybe sort of shorter, and you're seeing lots of kind of pop writers condensing, you know, starting with a chorus and, and, you know, they seem to be getting like, just taking all the fat off the bone. And I just wondered Mm -hmm. as the way that people's listening habits have maybe changed from when Travis first started to to now, has that impacted Mm -hmm. in how you approach your songwriting or specifically the intro? Hmm. Um, It's a long winded question, Fran. Sorry. It's, no, 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 it's not. It's not at all. Actually, it's a great question. Um, I think, like I said when you were, like I interrupted when you were talking. Um, we still listen to music exactly the same way, with our ears, and music is still the same thing as it was, which is air moving. That's all music is. It's just air moving in different ways. And then it hits your ear and then you, you react to it. And then s- some things make you tap your foot and some things don't even get your attention. And um, so as a songwriter, the uh, personally, <clears throat> I'm, still, I'm still hunting for those, those little moments that you... That, that that make the hairs in your arms stand up on end. Yeah. And um I'm not so into this kind of writing by committee yeah. thing. Because I think that's good if you're writing a jingle for cornflakes. Uh, or if you're writing a little pop ditty that's going to be replaced in the revolving door mm-hmm. by another pop ditty. Um I think there's a that you can do you can you can do two things. You can you can um, design a pop song or divine a pop song, and divining is kind of more like the songwritery sitting at the end of his bed or her bed, trying to just like frack their soul, you know, and get get yeah. stuff out. And when you get a song that has that in it, that has that bit of truth or the. Um, like there's a song on our album, the new album called Nina's Song, that opens with the line, "How come all of the best dads are gone?" And it's a song which I wrote for completely no reason. It was it was a, it was a task. I had to write a song for this book, which was going to be a musical. But then I started when I started writing it, all this stuff started coming out like of my own experience, being a, an only child. And not having a dad, and that experience, and all of this stuff just poured out. And as a result, this song's really like it's it's deep it, and it's touched. Like I've had so many people come and like write to me on Twitter or, or friends or whatever, and go, "That's really that stopped me in my tracks." And that's the thing. No matter what you what you play on, or no matter what what media it, it comes in. The something about, or not even maybe the way the, the the air's moving, or how your how clean your ears are, but something in certain songs does that magical thing that just sort of makes you stops you in your tracks emotionally, and I think that's the that's the thing, and it's not maybe even um, exclusive to music, you know. It could be in a novel, it could be in a, a song, it could be in a painting, it could be in a photograph, it could be in a, a um, you know, it's just, it could be a, a goal that you saw at the, at the football yeah. on Saturday. It's about a split, you know, just a little moment of magic and that's kind of what you're in the story of. And it's possibly about storytelling, it's possibly about truths, so, and that's a long-winded, an even longer-winded answer to your... Well, it's, it's a perfect answer, Fran, because it, it leads 
perfectly into track two, um, mm -hmm. where I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. I think it would be Imagine. Yeah. I think it would be Imagine because I was a little boy at the time. John Lennon got shot and they re-released they re that song after he died. And everybody was sad. You know, it was very... I remember my mum being... Even my mum being sad. And about someone I didn't know, you know, I didn't... I didn't know who the Beatles were because I was a wee boy. Mm. And, um, but there was something about the song that, that made me feel kind of something, you know, something just a little bit deeper than, than usual. But I think emotionally, like, that's... Um, I don't think people start really developing those emotions that grown-ups, you know, like... Like remorse yeah. and uh, and uh, guilt, like proper guilt and um, empathy, and all these sort of feelings are, are quite late on. So I think, imagine for me, it was just it 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 wasn't like a deep emotional thing, but it definitely made me feel like something else. Yeah, yeah, I. I, I... I, I couldn't agree more, Fran. We're, we're, we're the same age. And, and, and so, you know, I remember hearing that when that, when that come back out and I, I didn't understand who he was or, but that song, mm. it's just, there's a, just a, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, I would have got a, probably an element of sort of sadness from it. You know, it's got quite a sad, yeah. it's a sad song, isn't it? And it's like, yeah. and there's an element of like longing that kind of resonates from it as well. And, yeah, yeah. I think that's you. You 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 sort of pinpointed it there with the sadness. And I was thinking as you were talking, like, what is the sadness of that song? And I think the sadness of the song. Maybe this is obvious, but that in encoded into the the the, the way it sound that the way he's singing it. I have to pardon the. I'm on a I'm on a um, fire engine route. Right. They pass here, like, and they are so gnarly. Every time they come down, the fire engines especially, they blast their horns as they're crossing the crossings. And it's like, I just keep, all I can think of is every time they hit it, it's like, Trump, Trump, Trump. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like, because, like, you know, it's, the, it's like their revenge. I don't know. Anyway, what we saw, yeah, yeah. So, um, Imagine um, this sadness, I think, encoded into the way he sings it or the, the, just the emotion of it all is the fact that this thing that he's saying is not possible. Yeah. Or will be possible. And it's this, and that's that's the, for me as a grown-up, that's this, the real sadness of that song. Like, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think we ever will reach that, that no. you know, that, that lovely point it's Absolutely. good to one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why united healthcare offers a variety of flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more so whether you're between jobs coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, friend, for track three, um, I'm, I'm going to sort of stay in the, the, the earlier years, and I'm going to ask you um, to tell me the one song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Um, again, lots of... Which which school? Secondary, primary? Well, you, you, I mean, you, you, can, you can have a couple of honourable mentions then if you want to throw an early one in and a later one. Right, okay. Um, school. I would say... I would say... This is the first one that came to mind, is... Remember Seek Seek Sputnik? Yeah, of course. Right, so the one that shoot it up. Love missile. Uh, oh. Yeah. Um, flying overhead. Oh, what was that? That was a big hit. They had a number one hit. Was it called Love Missile? Um, Machine? Yeah. Or Love so, yeah. Is it? Love Missile. Num- there's a number in it. Um, shit. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was it was Sig Sig Sputnik, and and yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that. When I think of that, I think of round about primary six, primary seven. I think about being in the south side of Glasgow, and me and my pal Paul um, Marsh would listen to that song, kind of on repeat, like nonstop. Um, yeah, and could you uh, had you seen them on Top of the Pops as well? Because obviously that was something yeah. to behold, wasn't it? They were. They just looked insane. They were. They were. They looked like uh, they were from the future. Yeah, yeah. And and just just to touch on Top of the Pops because uh, you know I, I I presume that it was the same for you as it was for so many people that. You know, once a week, Top of the Pops was was where it was at. You, you know, you had to watch the Pops. That's where you got to see all your pop stars and and and, and rock stars. And uh-huh. I just wonder, friend, how was it when you got the phone call saying that you were going to be on Top of the Pops? And did it deliver? Yeah, yeah. like we went for our first. Uh... We went our first album and we didn't get on top of the pops. And I mean, that was like, you, there's all of these sort of, um, uh, you know, like marks on the road to the journey if you're in a band. And one was get a deal. First of all, it's find a band. Then it's um, get good. Then it's get a deal. And then, then it's like get on the radio. Then it's like, get on top of the pops and we didn't get on top of the pops um until the second album and it was gutting we almost got on top of the pops but i think there was a band at the time called embrace mm-hmm. who got on top of the pops and we didn't and and i mean you're you're it's, it's weird because by by the time you get to that level you have been rejected and disappointed so many times that it just sort of rolls off you because that's what I think what people don't understand that are not in bands and, and you know, they, they'll hear a song on the radio and go off oh, F off or whatever. They don't understand the, the amount of, um, you know, like sticking your neck out and they don't understand. Like if you have a big song, people think you did that deliberately to them, you know? Yeah inflicted that upon them and you you were like as much of a surprise to you that a song is big or whatever as it is to them or to anyone else you don't mean it it's like how did that happen of course um so when top of the pops comes along that that call was kind of momentous it was a it was um 
like we're, we're doing it finally um, and it was in a big mad year you know we were kind of like the biggest band in the country at that moment and so it, it was all happening at once and, was it um, writing to reach you? Um, it might have been hmm. it might have been if there, if 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 that's on there, then it would be. Hmm. If it's on the internet, I honestly can't remember what song it was. No idea. All I remember was being, you know, when you walk into the BBC, which is uh, you know an experience in itself. That big building, uh, Wogan House, <laughs> um, and you you sort of go through the corridors and you're putting into the, the dressing rooms and it's got the top of the pop sign on the door and it's like, oh my God. <laughs> All of the, every every Thursday evening comes back to, to you and you're like, I'm, I'm going to be in the telly tonight. I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on top of the pops tonight. And it's like, you know, it's, it's a huge bucket list thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, Unforgettable, but at the same time, like, I can't remember what bloody song we played because after we were we went on lots of things. So I don't know how many times. I think maybe five, six times we were on top of the pops, and um, and every time was different. One of the times I remember, Prince was also, on it, and he held up the entire production for three hours because he wouldn't go on stage because something or other something wasn't quite right. Yeah. So, that waiting for Prince to to do his thing, um, and everyone was quite happy with that. Just touching on school um, before we move on to the the, the next track, uh, friend. Mm-hmm. Like, did you enjoy school? No. What did you like about school? It was like prison. I hated school. I felt. I think I still hate school. I hate. Put, I hate making my son go to school. I think school, as the pandemic has shown, is is part education, part childcare, and I don't want to. I don't want to be like get on the Daily Mail by by saying you know, but I will say it falls more on one of those two things than the other. Yeah, I think. What's his face that just died? Ken Robinson. Mm-hmm. Ken Robinson? No. Right. Ken Robinson was a, an educationalist and he, he, he made a very famous uh, um, TED talk called um, Are Schools Killing Creativity? And um, is it, or does education kill creativity or something like that? And it was a brilliant, you should watch it, go and watch it. The guys, the guys, he died like two months ago, too, way too early. He was in his 60s. Um, and um Liverpudlian guy who just had this pretty novel idea of like, you know, we're still teaching kids the same way as they did in the Victorian times. Yeah. It's pretty much the same recipe as they've been using and it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't... Um, it should be something else, and um, but because of the you know the wheels of progress and time move so quickly, it's very hard to change change something as big as education. Anyway, I, I, I hate I hate school, hated it, absolutely beginning to end. I remember leaving. One of the greatest moments of my life was finally you know like looking around and opening the school door as I left, and I was like, I'm never ever going to go back there yeah. and I, I was free I was like getting let out of prison it was like um, the Blues Brothers you know when he walks out <laughs> it really felt like that and it's maybe see the thing is I didn't like school but school's necessary even if it's to make people like me who hated school feel this freedom to like right I'm now going to do what I want to do I think maybe school. I think if you're single-minded, schools like prison. I think if you, if you're not that way, school's going to be great for you. Yeah. Because 
tells you what to do and it puts you in the queue and it makes you who you are or you know tells you maybe what you might want to do I was a bit more you know single you know my own head and I think for people like me it's it's torture what did you want to be uh I wanted to go to art school I wanted to um I wanted to do something that was, I guess, I wanted to be a painter is what I wanted. And um, so after school, I went to a foundation course for getting your portfolio together. And then I went to Glasgow Art School. And the day I matriculated into art school was the day that I started in Travis. And I didn't expect it, you know, but the two things went along. And it was like one, you know, like art school went like this and Travis went like that and and I jumped, just as it was beginning to do this, I jumped from art school to the band and I left art school in second year and went and went all in <clears throat> with the band. Was you, um, you know, seeing you on, on stage so many times, which, you know, you, you always look very comfortable when you're on stage. Was you, was you a confident teenager? Um, uh, no, no, I'm not, a, I'm not a confident person. Um, maybe I am. No, sorry, I'm not. Um, it's a really. You've got great questions. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really good questions because the, I, this question of confidence uh, is, is 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 um is very cool because I guess I was confident. I just didn't realise it because what you've got, especially now in this world that we're in, is an act of confidence you know, it's an act confidence as an act and then real confidence yeah like I've got absolute bona fide real confidence just inner belief that if I put my mind to anything that I want I will do it and I've got no qualms about it and I'll do anything I'll go anywhere I'll say anything I'll do anything and that's this quiet silent inner confidence but then there's this other confidence that we see so much nowadays, which is this act, which is this blustery kind of like all the it's got all the hallmarks of it. It's like again, it's like divine and design. People can act confident, and everyone believes it. And it's but it's uh, but it's not real confidence. And you you find that. Um, I think you get people falling into two categories. So I, 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 I was, what's the word? It's, um, I can't think of it. Words, words are failing me right now. But when I was at school, I was definitely not like the kid who was out in front of the class trying to make everyone laugh or anything. I was very like, um, <clears throat> I was a good pupil, you know, I, 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 I was scared of the teachers. I was not scared of them, but, you know, like um, respectfully scared of them, you know. I just kept myself to myself. And then all the wee meds were all like, they were the ones who were like, you know, doing that. And um, but no, you, I, was, I, was, I was quiet, the confident. But you chose two paths there that are, are very, very difficult to forge a, a career in that you know that that can keep a roof over your head whether that be art or music you know it's, it's a, they're, they're both very you know tough games to to break through in and so aside from confidence was you driven um i was uh first of all those those two things to me weren't difficult they were it was a no-brainer. It was like that's that's my mum always said: do what you love to do. Don't 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 just go and because I, I I never had that chance. You should definitely just do what you love to do. So I I just followed that. It so to me it was it was there was it was a no-brainer to, to go there. And luckily, when you're 16, 14, 15, 16, 17, whatever, you're not thinking in the way I grown up things like what are you doing you know yeah you're just like you're thankfully you're not as as um conscious as as you will become yeah um 
And what was the second part of that question? I just wondered how driven you was. Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think my big, the biggest drive ever was that I didn't want to be poor. And then by that, I don't mean like millions of money. I meant like afford to, to get the bus to my friend's house, afford to get dinner, yeah. um, afford to um, get, like, just get out of the bit. I mean, the bit by the bit, I mean, being skint, being yeah. poor. Yeah. And, I, and that was the biggest motivator to me. I mean, when, when I... Um, when I uh, decided the band was going to be my thing, that was it was like you put everything on it and, and everything was riding on it and um, you have nothing to lose. Because I had not, I had, I had, you have like, you're poor when you're, I don't know if you're from that kind of background, but if you don't have anything, then you, do, you, 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 you have nothing to lose. I was listening to the... the I was reading Douglas Stewart, who just won the Booker Prize, was talking about the difficulty um, working class people have in getting out of the... I see it like a giant um, bath with the slidey sides and people trying to get out and, and it's too slidey to get out and, and all, like, you know, your guardian readers and your, you know, the ha-ha-ha is outside... And if you're working class, you can you can get stuck, and it's it's hard to get out of that because you're it's you're, it's just impossible, almost impossible. So you, the arts, music, art, culture, ballet, all that shit, it's all outside of the bath, and it's not on your menu. I mean, it's it's on the. We were talking. I was talking to my friend the other day and talking about this idea of menus, and this the scene in my in my mind of this big giant restaurant which at one end of the restaurant you have all the poor people and they're sitting at their tables looking at the looking at their menu and it's and it's what their opportunities are in their lives and there's 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 transitional sections of the restaurant where the working classes butt up against the middle classes mm-hmm. and me luckily was on the edge and I looked over to the next table and saw their menu. <laughs> when we, my mum my moved me to the south side, moved us to the south side of Glasgow, I started looking at the menu that my friend had. They were going to university and I was like, what the fuck is university? Mm. I didn't even know what that was. So I'm like, that looks cool. But I never was in my menu, so I was lucky I got to see but if I had not gotten out of Postle Park and gone to the south side of Glasgow would never have been able to think that you know I'm going to do that you know so to go back to the motivation thing I'd gone to art school I'd done all these things and, and, and can you hear? <laughs> yeah <laughs> drum, drum, drum. <laughs> fucking proud man so gnarly um, so I put everything, I put all my eggs in that basket and I was not going to fail. And that's what drives you. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of slightly vacuous and, and, um, but I don't care. I, I, I couldn't agree more, Fran. One of the reasons I set this podcast up and called it off the beat and track was initially to set out to, to kind of base it. It's, it's, it's moved into what it's become, but initially it was living on the outskirts of London uh, you know, I, I live in an area which is very, very working class, and and I just always find it really interesting that it, it all come out of a conversation with a friend of mine who's a who's a uh, was a musician, who's a podcast now called Scribius Pip, and uh, and, and Pip basically was constantly getting asked because he lives in Essex, like, oh, do you live in London? And he's like, no. Oh, how come you haven't moved to London? And it's like, what? Well, I don't want to move to London. And I just find that just that how an area can have a kind of real impact on on your creativity. Because where I come from, you know, if you want to try and pursue the arts, and, and I was in a 
uh, you know, around the time that Travis broke through and Embrace broke through, I was in bands and trying to do the same. And and it is when when you was talking about that earlier, like we, we you know, you refuse to sort of think like I'm not going to fail at this because I don't want to be poor. And the one thing that I've drawn from it, you know, is the fact that we didn't, you know, obviously get on top of the pops, but we threw everything in the fucking kitchen sink at it. And so that's yeah. not a failure to me. It's like yeah. we've done the best we can and it didn't happen. Yeah. So right on to the next thing. But what yeah. that also is, a que- this is also Lisbon, another question I want to ask you, friend, is something that I've asked lots of kind of musicians that have, have come from working class backgrounds and have found themselves, you know, alongside stages with, with people that may have had a, a bit more of a kind of privileged upbringing. Like, yeah. coming from working class background. Did you ever have imposter syndrome, and do you still get it? If so, uh, all the time, all the time. Yeah, every every single every single day. So, like, yeah, <laughs> you just do because you know you're you're um you, that's what you're it's the dye that you're soaked in. Yeah the first eight years or 12 years of your life you're never you're never ever going to be anything your 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 mind is it's hardwired for that that feeling like you know this this uh, i just like it probably is it's kind of shaped my life and i i just keep myself to myself i don't go to like glitzy things or i mean i go to a couple of things and if I'm invited, like if a friend says, do you want to come along or like go along to something? But um, I'm never really into it. Yeah. Even going to restaurants, I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel still un- massively uncomfortable in that in that setting because it's not something that I ever did growing up, yeah. go to a restaurant. I mean, well, yeah. who goes to restaurants, you know? <laughs> Millions of people go to restaurants, but this is... There's a funny thing right now where you you have like, for instance, in America, all like your New York Times and Washington Post and LA Times readers, and the way they look at the Trump supporters like the fucking idiots. And it's like I'm like, you have no idea what those people, um, what their what their lives are like. They have and they have no idea. What your lives are like. I mean, it, it's the, the two. If you're born into a nice house with stairs, and you, um, your parents maybe take you to, you know, a restaurant every now and then, or to the theatre, or to that's that's just normal for you. Like, if you're poor, it's not. It's just not on the menu. You know, you're 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 just trying to. Um, you're trying to get, um, you're trying to get just to the next bit. Yeah. So it's it's hard for people to see into that to to try and all they can see is is a very basic thing when they look when wealthy people look at poor people and poor people look at wealthy people. Um, maybe that will always be that way. I think um, will, anyway, but but I'm 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 I'm. My one thing is, you know, that it's never, it's always like because you're, you're dipped in it, is that I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm on a, I mean, this is my entire life. I feel like I'm on a mudslide and I'm, and I'm trying, I'm not going sliding down. And at the bottom of the mudslide is back in, back in the bit, you know, back in the bathtub. But you know that way when you're just like, like you're like that. <laughs> Trying to not slide down this fucking thing and not try and that's that's my daily imposter feeling. I mean and, and I don't think it ever goes, you know. And maybe it's good because it's 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 certainly it's fuel to make you to motivate you to, to like I've got to get this finished, I've got to do this thing, I've got to finish this, do that. But I am jealous of people who don't have those <laughs> those hang ups and they just like doddle along and yeah. you know. Blissfully anyway. unaware. Track four, friend. The first song you remember buying from a record shop? I, the, the first song I ever bought from a record shop for myself was um, 
Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it was, a, and it was, it was a special one because it was a, um, it was, it was a an advent calendar yeah. like cover. And I, um, I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. So yeah, Adam and the Ants. Just to touch on record shops, um, how important were record shops for you? growing up and how important are record shops for you as you know as a musician now um record look, record shops were not important to me to go to, to back to the last question because record shops you need disposable income yeah i did go to record shops you know uh, to um maybe once in a while but it, it was always like record. I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't a a thing. I didn't have brothers, big brothers and sisters all getting into music. I didn't have any. You know, I didn't have a dad, so I didn't have that sort of collecty kind of hunter gathery type of thing around me. So I just dawdled along, drawing my wee pictures in my book, and singing little songs on my guitar. And even when I got a guitar I, I didn't have any I had a tape with rock and roll songs on it that was it because I borrowed it from my friend's dad and we had a stereogram like a tape recorder record player radio in one sort of thing but we didn't get that until I was about 12 or 13 so up until that time there wasn't even a record player in the house yeah so, the, the, so it was a and, 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 and there wasn't music in the house either. It was a quiet house. And I mean, I don't have a lot of music as a result. You know, as a grown-up, I just don't play music. Um, but the mad thing was I was I was kind of good at um, picking up. I had a good ear. I could pick up a tune and play it back on a piano or a, or a guitar or whatever. So uh, I definitely had some kind of... Um, um, flair for it or whatever yeah. you know when I was when I was wee um, but um, yeah so moving on to being a little older for track five the song that soundtrack yeah. your time clubbing so I should well, also I, add that this can be you know your local indie club yeah yeah um, well I, I didn't really club again you know I but I worked in a club. I worked in a club called The Tunnel in Glasgow, um, which was one of the UK's premier nightclubs when it first opened. Amazing nightclub. It was it was like uh, ahead of its time. And um, the song that soundtracked for me that entire phase was um, connected by the Stereo MCs. Nice. It played, it maybe it played so many times per night, and then you know it just drilled in my head. That song it got played even more than "Why Does It Always Rain on Me." <laughs> There's not songs that have been played more than that song. I'll tell you what, though, when that does drop in at the beginning, oh, it's got a groove. That record, it really has. It is really good. It's, it's a it's a great it's a great track. Well, let's go back to uh, to Glasgow uh, for track six, friend. A favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. So, when I when we were twelve, we all tried to go and watch the Breakfast Club at the ABC on Sucky Hall Street. Me. And all my pals, like all the like boys and girls, you know, we, we sort of went into town trying to look a bit older than 12 because it was a 15. Um, and um, they wouldn't let us in. So we went to see A View to a Kill instead. But the big pull for that movie, which is, again, it's one of these brilliant, brilliant um John Hughes films is um was the soundtrack. Yeah. And on that soundtrack was a band that not only came from my, my city and my county, they went to my school, Holyrood, 
and it was Simple Minds with the song Don't You Forget Me. And that's that's a massive song for for anyone in, in of my age in Glasgow. Because yeah. you also had that sense of kind of, wow, they went to our school. Yeah. They're they're in the pictures, you know, um they're on this they're on the screen. You can hear their their music. Um but ironically, that's not simple minds. It's not, is it? No. It's 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 um, Jim Kerr and there's a bunch of guys, not the usual simple minds lineup doing the music for that. And if but, I'm um, and if I'm right, weirdly you mentioned view for a, a view to a kill. I think that song was originally intended for Duran Duran. It was what one? Don't you forget about me? Yeah. And they must they must have gotten around about that time the offer to do the James Bond song. Yeah. And they took that instead. Yeah, I know that 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 song was initially intended for Duran Duran to to perform uh, for Breakfast Club. For Breakfast Club, yeah. Fucking hell. Do you know what is so weird? When you mentioned that walking out of school on the last day and pushing the door open, the first thing that popped in my mind was Judd Nelson with his hand above his head <laughs> walking out of the end of breakfast club. <laughs> that's why That's why John Hughes is a brilliant storyteller. Yeah. He's, he's like, he, he, he's, he just knows what, what moments are important to... Yeah. to, to and you, you you don't need to like, you know, every moment in that film is is great. It's such a great film, Breakfast Club. Absolutely. For the last track, uh, Fran, I'm going to ask you to pick a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's a song by a Glasgow, an old Glasgow songwriter who's dead now. (coughs) Buried in Highgate Cemetery <clears throat> next to across the street from Douglas Adams. I mean when I say it's the street across the path. Yeah. <laughs> from Douglas Adams. Um and his name is Bert Yansh. And Bert Yansh inspired, among others, Jimmy Page. Um from Led Zeppelin. You wouldn't have the Jimmy Page, you wouldn't have the Led Zeppelin that we know if it wasn't for Bert Yansh. And Bert Yanch is, there's a great song called, um, what's it called? I think it's called Rolling Down the Highway. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of like page one, if you want to listen to Bert Yanch, that's the first one. And it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's just a, a wonderful song. Well, we do a, a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast friend so people can listen to uh, all of your song choices and all the ones we've had a, a natter about today um fran as we come to the end of a, a strange year and you know let's remain positive that next year is going to be uh you know involving a little bit more freedom and uh, and some and some some gigs hopefully um what are you looking forward to personally and what have you got happening professionally um Personally, 
don't know. I don't know personally because right right now everything's so um, in disarray with uh, not being able to tour, not being able to. It's kind of like that's habit of a lifetime, and so it's a bit like what the, the you know what's going on. So I don't know where we have a tour on sale April May. That's we put that on sale in June, and with a view to hopefully that that, that this would have maybe figured itself out. Beyond then, we're still hoping we're playing, but I don't know. Who knows? I think the big thing is test. You know, like testing people quickly before they come in. Rapid testing. Um, and I mean, you getting something that you can just put on someone and it's like that. You've got it or you've, you haven't got it. You can't come in, you know, because gigs are a place where you want to feel safe. You go to gigs to feel safe. Um, and so uh, this is a, the, the whole Corona thing is a bit weird for that. So I don't know. Personally, I don't know. I'm going to... Um, to just keep doing what I do, you know, like making stuff. Yeah. And in what seeing what plops out. And and um, what's happening with Travis? New music? Um new music. I don't know. I don't know because I'm I'm literally we've just released this album so mm-hmm. I'm like I can't even even begin to contemplate writing any other songs for at least I don't know another few months. Yeah. So yeah, probably down the line. Yeah, more writing. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm like doing lots of other things as well, like photography and video making and all filmmaking stuff. So I'm doing lots of stuff. Wonderful, Fran. It's been a real pleasure getting to talk to you, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Great questions. <laughs> there you go, Fran Healy from the US of A with authentic. American fire engine sirens. What more do you want? Um, what an absolute gentleman. Um, so much fun uh, chatting to Fran. Uh, I, had a, I had a hunch that it was going to be a good one and, uh, and certainly wasn't disappointed. And I hope you guys uh, got as much joy listening to that as uh, as I did interviewing Fran. Um, as mentioned at the beginning, um, go and have a look in the archives now and have a, have a rummage and see what you can find uh, because there's... 200 plus episodes uh, with some cracking guests that you can uh, hear about their creative journeys and the and the records that have soundtracked it. And, and I mentioned the the Patreon as well at the beginning, um, which gives you an opportunity to support what I do from as little as about 80p a week. And you get another four weekly radio shows over there and video episodes and all manner of stuff. And there's a nice little community over on the the Patreon. It's like a it's like another little sort of social media really. There's you know a nice news feed and you can all chat and stuff like that it's nice and uh, and it does help because this podcast is a labor of love um and yeah but that labor of love is something that uh, i really love doing and it's kind of um yeah kept my uh, my tiny brain uh, active during uh, a very bizarre year um thanks again for listening um if you see us on the socials we're on all the platforms um give us a like love share retweet and all that stuff and uh, and i'll be back next time stay safe be excellent bye bye i've got an announcement Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. 
and they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made Stu Whipping. Eat a pocket.